0: This is The Frey Podcast, brought to you by thefrey.com, a place for women who want more from life. This is what I want, this is what I need, if you don't have to go, I can set you free, are you going to? Welcome to today's podcast episode. I'm so happy that you have pressed play on this one. I think it's going to be a really, really helpful and insightful conversation. I loved Love, love, love chatting with our guest today. Our guest is Talia Del Jew. Talia is a personal coach. She also has a master's in positive psychology and has a real passion for guiding people into looking at their own stuff, into looking at what they can do to heal their inner child. And I know that the term inner child can make some people kind of recoil and go, oh, it's a bridge too far. It's a bit woo-woo. I don't want to know about it but actually the way that Talia explains healing your inner child is so logical and it makes so much sense. And we really chat about what it means to get clear on the beliefs that we're carrying around and how it impacts us as adults. So this episode I think is going to be one that you might want to listen to a couple of times. Um, I really think think it's going to be helpful. I know that I finished my conversation with Talia feeling quite buzzy and lit up. This is the sort of topic I find really interesting, and I think many of you will as well. So as I said, Talia is a coach, master's in positive psychology, huge passion for personal growth and development. We chat about unhelpful patterns. We talk about how to change our beliefs, and we talk about what it looks like when you stay resistant to healing that inner child and healing those inner wounds talia also has a free five-day inner child challenge so if you want to do that the link is in our show notes so it's very easy for you to find also so is her instagram handle as well i personally loved this conversation if you enjoy this episode make sure you take a screenshot Pop it up on your Instagram stories, tag me, tag Talia. That way we can share it as well. And it means a lot. It truly, truly means a lot to me that if you listen to this episode and you enjoy it, you take those two seconds to share it. That's how we can grow the podcast. uh, And I truly, truly appreciate it. So let's get into this episode. I think it's essential listening. We're talking healing, we're talking transforming, and there's no better time to talk about it given that we are at the start of a new year. And don't forget, we are also having our best life reset theme for our Venti members, which mean they're getting bonus weekly episodes. All episodes are ad free. If you've gotten to the intro and you're like, you know what, I'm sick and tired of skipping ads You can change that. Uh, Of course, if you enjoy having your podcasts completely free in your feed, that is for you. We've got those two episodes. But if you are a podcast junkie like me, I have a couple that I subscribe to personally. And you want that bonus episode each and every week because you just want more goodness. And you're so committed to looking after yourself this year. Make sure you do jump over. Check out our Venti membership for the cost of one cup of coffee per month, you're going to get at least four bonus episodes, sometimes more. You get the themed episodes, you get the whole back catalog. Everything is ad free, including our Monday and Friday episodes, three episodes a week. Anyway, <laughs> let's get into my conversation with the beautiful Talia Ju. Talia, thanks so much for taking time out of your day to have this conversation with me.
1: Oh my gosh, absolutely. I love nothing more than spaces and and places where these conversations get to be had for people who are interested and curious to learn, so I can't wait to see what comes up for us today.
0: We definitely have a lot of curious listeners, and I'm excited to dive into the topic of inner child work and what it all means because I know for myself it's been really transformational as Mm -hmm. I've kind of dug in and really begun to understand what it means for me.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: for someone listening who is like, what does this inner child business mean? You know, <laughs> Do I even have an inner child? I think perhaps yeah. we start there. Can you explain great. the concept?
1: Absolutely. It's a great place to start. And we kind of have to start there, um, especially because inner child work often tends to be discussed in the context of trauma. And for a long time, I was kind of like inner child work. I like I don't need to do that. I had a relatively beautiful childhood and I had great parents and there was nothing that I could pinpoint in terms of like, a you know, a moment of extreme pain or trauma or difficulty as a child. And it wasn't until I started to do some research and some studying in my world of coaching that I realized inner child work is. Yes, it's absolutely imperative and helpful and critical in the context of trauma, if that's something you experienced, but it comes down to the reality that as kids, we have needs. These needs are often communicated, but more often not communicated because we're not quite consciously aware of them ourselves. (laughs) And so inevitably, because life does its thing, there will be times where certain needs just weren't met. That in itself isn't necessarily the challenge. The challenge is what we then came to make those experiences mean about ourselves when those needs weren't met. So an example might be, if my need for emotional safety or validation is not met in a moment of difficulty as a kid, I might very quickly come to believe that my feelings don't matter right? That I shouldn't say anything. I should just put a smile on, right? We come to these conclusions and these conclusions become a part of kind of just our like operating system and our default mode. And we carry those beliefs on into our adult life. And those patterns continue to play out and often create resistance or blocks or just hardship. And again, it's, it's, the root the root of these beliefs are often in those early childhood experiences in a time where we're so sensitive and so like it's it's a formative time right where we're forming beliefs about ourselves and other people and the world and and so any belief that's formed that's that kind of goes unchecked later in life maybe it's time to reflect and kind of see what it's about and it's also kind of
0: unfair in a way because our beliefs that we form at that time then end up still kind of calling the shots for us later in life. But these are beliefs, you know, like what I mean by that is, you know, our thoughts that inform our actions, inform our decisions, inform the love that we accept everything. Mm -hmm. But we're forming these beliefs before our brain is even fully developed or before we have life experiences, like before we have any filters to run these exchanges through, because we might have an exchange with a parent Mm-hmm. And, you know, as an adult, when we've gone through life experience and we have our own fully functioning adult brain,
1: mm-hmm. we would
0: look at that experience, that exchange so differently. You know, as an mm-hmm. adult, we might look at that exchange and go, well, that was very neutral or, you know, that was just mum or dad being exhausted and having a million things on their plate. But as yep. a child, we don't have those adult filters. Right. So as you said, we take this interaction have so much meaning, build a story, but then yes. that meaning belief in story ends up sort of shaping our whole life.
1: Totally. Our brains developed. Yes. <laughs> yes. I think it's a perfect way of putting it. And it's, it's, it is kind of that simple, right? And it's like, it creates the lens, it creates the filter. And we don't, again, we're not necessarily even consciously aware of it. And, to your point it's like we know in adulthood like logically we can see certain things and make meaning of certain things but when it happens that early in life we we i call it like filling in the blank like something happens we don't know why no one s- says anything so we're just like oh it must be this we don't know how to be with uncertainty still in adulthood i think that's still a problem is our our inability to be in the uncertainty in the in the not knowing but especially then it's like oh, I'd rather just fill in the blank and come up with a story and make this mean something, and because I'm really the only thing that I can fully control, I'll make it mean something about me and other people in relation to me and the world in relation to me, and this creates my self-concept, this creates my sense of identity, this creates my sense of safety or lack thereof, and everything just builds on top of that foundation. And so then how does the inner child relate to those beliefs? So the inner child is the part of us that believes those things to be true. Right? So you might logically as your adult self know that your feelings matter or that not everything's your fault or that you are enough, but your inner child is the one that's like, "No, I'm not." Right? And 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 it's it's the voice. It's the voice that comes in and says, "Is this safe? Are we okay? Can we do this? Will we still be loved?" is it my fault? I think it is my fault. What should like, it's, it's that kind of like, it's, the, that's the part. I don't know if that answers the question that. Yeah. directly, but
0: Yeah, it, it does completely. And I think that's a really brilliant inroad for people who might struggle to use the terminology in a child. I yeah. think some people will have a block around going, Oh, I'm not really into the woo woo side of things. I'm not sure. spiritual. I don't want to chat about an inner child, mm-hmm. but the way you've just framed it, Talia is so beautiful because it's, like your belief system. And we all have that
1: internal
0: dialogue, that monologue that's like, just has all this diatribe to say about ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's a really helpful inroad for people to understand.
1: Mm-hmm. You could use the term in a child, or you can use the term in a dialogue. Totally. We've all, we've all got the voices. We've got multiple voices. And it's a totally normal thing, right? Having multiple voices that kind of go back and forth does not mean it's like it's not there's not anything wrong with you. <laughs> it's like it's a very normal part of how we function and how our brains are designed. And and it's important to, you know, if you're curious about getting into this work, whatever you decide to call it, however, you know it resonates with you. Understanding who those voices are and what those voices tend to say and when they tend to get loud, like there are patterns and there is a system to all of it. And so, so much of the work, at least to start, is in almost creating a visual of like a boardroom. Right? It's like who's who is showing up to work today? Right. We've got the inner critic. We've got the inner um judge we've got the inner perfectionist we've got the inner people pleaser we've got all these different parts and even you know, even with the inner child when these voices get loud they have some insight for us and often we just resist them and we judge them and we dismiss them and so much of this is about learning to really understand where they're coming from and what they're trying to do. Your inner critic wants you to do well. It thinks it's helping you by motivating you through criticism, right? If we can understand what they're truly trying to do for us, we stop working against them and start forming kind of like a team of alliances, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And if we have that inner
0: child, you know, that's trying to kind of, bring Mm -hmm. something up for us you know maybe they're feeling pain but we want to avoid the pain Mm -hmm. is Mm -hmm. that when people might engage in behaviors that are really unhelpful like whether it's to the extreme end of addiction substance Mm -hmm. abuse that type of thing Mm -hmm. or whether it's like on a smaller scale of having perfectionistic kind of tendencies or obsessive Mm -hmm. thoughts like, is that kind of linked to wanting to avoid what your inner child is
1: trying to inform you of? 100%. 100%. Those and I guess we could kind of like group those together as self-sabotaging. Yeah. behaviors and tendencies a lot of that is avoidance and those those parts of us that propel us into those types of behaviors we call them firefighters right whenever something's activated or triggered it's like oh no 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 we've got to come out and put out the fire but like let's 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 not go to where the fire is and and let's distract as quickly as we can because it's too painful it's too overwhelming we can't go there we can't handle it it's I mean, there are a million and one reasons why we avoid this kind of work. Um, And so much of my like passion for this is to show people that it actually gets to be quite beautiful and fun and playful. And I don't necessarily want to say easy because it's work, but it can be guided and facilitated in such a way that it doesn't take over. It doesn't become your pain. You get to witness it. You get to, you know hold space for it and understand it and kind of release it. But it's, it makes sense that people would rather not, you know, it's. Yeah. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. What are some other things that people
0: might experience if they are living with an unhealed inner child?
1: Oh, my gosh. <laughs> She's like, how much time have you got? <laughs> like I've, I've so on got a list, and I, I add to this list every day. I've got a list of, like, 120. Like, You just un- go healed. around observing people. And you're like, yep, that <laughs> asshole, unhealed
0: in a child. <laughs> Cut me off in traffic, unhealed. <laughs> I mean,
1: we've all, we've all got that part of us. Um, yeah. I mean, any again, like, any time the voice comes in – it's, it's, it's often related to an inner child. And the point is not to heal it and never get rid like and, and get rid of your inner child. Like the the point is to integrate your inner child and, and to recognize that your inner child and your inner critic, like all these different parts of you have resources, your inner child is the party that holds creativity and a sense of, you know, freedom and being carefree and exploration and adventure. Like we want those things. Those are really beautiful, good things that are meant to support our development as people, right? Um, So yeah, I mean, to answer your question, I'll give you an example, just a personal example, a sign of my unhealed inner child was an attachment. And maybe I'll, I'll say often it shows up in forms of attachment. So an attachment to other people meeting my need for emotional validation, Right? And and how I would respond when I wouldn't get that emotional validation from people—that was a sign of an unhealed inner child. And so f- for me now, what I've learned to do is constantly check in with my inner child every morning. I do. I'm in the process of doing um, morning pages from the Artist's oh, Way. Are you familiar yeah, with yeah. it, Julia yeah. Cameron? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm loving it. I'm about halfway through, and every single morning I write to my inner child and to my whole system of inner parts. And I say, good morning, everyone. How are we feeling today? And I just let them tell me, I let them talk to me and it, you know, maybe it sounds a little woo woo, but w- when I ask, they tell me like, we're feeling pissed today. We're in a bad mood today. And I respond to them. All of this is again in writing. And I say, that makes sense to me. I totally get why you're in a bad mood today. I don't need you to be happy for me. I don't need you to put a smile on for me. If you want to be in a bad mood again today, that's totally fine. I love you regardless. I'm here. That for me is filling a need that I never had filled as a kid.
0: Well, it sounds like you're kind of parenting yourself through that. It's holding space and being like, you can have your tantrum. You know, you can act however you need to act. And I'm going to be the stable adult mind here that you can count on.
1: Yes. I'm not going anywhere. I'm not scared of you. I'm not going to judge it or shame it or try to fix it. I'm just going to be here and validate and hold space and affirm and understand and and love you regardless. And, and again, it's going to look differently for everyone because we've all got different wounds and we've all got different needs that weren't met. Um, but once we can get clear on what those needs were by way of understanding who and what triggers and activates us in our adult life, we then get to be the first to fill the need. That doesn't mean that we can't expect other people to also support us and and kind of tend to our needs in, in different ways, but we're not as attached to it. And we're not, our survival doesn't depend on it the way it maybe did when we were four years old and we didn't have the capacity to process difficult things on our own. We can do that for ourselves now. Um, It's that processing and the space for the processing that I think really makes the difference. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com.
0: And if someone is listening and they have no idea, like they really genuinely think to themselves, I don't know what my triggers are. I don't know what my core wound or my beliefs or my inner child even needs. Mm
1: -hmm. Where
0: would you suggest they begin?
1: Yeah. I have a, a, I have two kind of practical answers. Um, And the first I mentioned a little bit earlier, and it's just to start paying attention to the voices. Um, They're there. They're loud. They're there. You know who they are. You're probably quite familiar with them. And, You know, what I would suggest for someone who's in that kind of phase of their process of understanding and and starting to do this work is to create what we call a parts map. And a parts map is essentially a way for us to visually um, organize all the different voices and all the different parts on the inside. So say there's a certain situation that you're feeling challenged by or just a circumstance that feels really stressful or there's some anxiety tied to it or there's some confusion around it. What you would essentially do is on a sheet of paper, at the center of the sheet of paper, you would write self. So this is the you that is the core essence of who you are and surrounding you in a web, almost like a circle. So the visual I always have is you are the sun and you've got all these kind of like planets dancing around you. And in relation to that situation, so the example I'll give is if I'm about to put out a new program, a new coaching program. There are a lot of conflicting parts and voices in me when it comes to announcing this next big thing. So I have one part of me that I'll write in this bigger circle around the self that says, I can't wait to be of service and be in my purpose. Then I have another part that says, what if nobody signs up? Then you're going to look like a real fool. Then I have another part that says, are you sure you want to take this responsibility on for other people's healing? Like, that's a lot of responsibility. We're not ready for that. Then I have another part that says maybe we should just wait until you're, you know, until you're more qualified Then we have. Right. So it's like there are all these conflicting and sometimes competing voices and parts. And in behind every part, there is some fear or some doubt or some insecurity. And so, again, that is a good starting point, just an understanding who typically tends to show up and nine times out of ten. These the kind of like default response or reaction you have to certain situations is the same as the reaction or response you had to something maybe different, but similar yesterday. Um, And again, another example of that for me, my pattern, once I did more and more of these parts maps was recognizing I default very often to it's my fault. Always coming back to it's my fault. I did something wrong. They're upset with me. What did I do? How can I fix it? You that's take responsibility for everything.
0: Responsibility yeah. for everything, yeah. The way, the way that a child might because they don't have an understanding that there is more that exists with outside, you know, outside of them. Like when we're little, we're the center of the universe.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. So that to me was was we call it a trailhead. It's like that's, that's the opening. That's the window. Like if that's where you keep going to – when was the first time you remember feeling that way? And maybe that feels like a bit of a big and scary question for somebody, but can you at least understand why you might feel that way? Does it make sense to you that a part of you might feel like things are her fault? Explore that part of you. How old is she? What's she like? What's she scared of? What's she worried about? What's she trying to process? What doesn't she understand about herself or the world? It's just that that inquiry and that Willingness to be curious and build a relationship to this part of us that, in itself, without getting to any conclusions, can be so healing because she's no longer alone. Yes.
0: And I think for a lot of people, it can be really confronting to sit down and look at these things. I think a lot of people go, oh, I don't want to do that because what will I discover? You know, will the things that I discover actually hurt me? Mm-hmm. But what I think, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but what I imagine is those things are already existing and you're already acting in a way that's letting them call the shots. So sitting down and actually examining them isn't going to be as bad as you think.
1: Um, yeah. I'm just like nodding to everything okay. you're saying. <laughs> yeah, like Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, it's, it can only help. It can only help Yeah. And again, the resistance is understandable. But for me, the real, I guess, like the thing that makes it easier is to conceptualize this idea that, like, you are separate from these parts of you, you are not your inner child. You are not your inner critic. You are not the voices. You're the one who hears them. And if you can stay anchored in that sense of separation where it's like, okay, their stuff is theirs. My stuff is mine. I can anchor. I can ground. I can center us. But I don't have to take it on. And again, it, that, that I, I understand how that can feel a little bit abstract as well. But in the process of inner child work, if we're feeling – overtaken by the pain and the burdens that our inner child is carrying we're not going to be able to heal the inner child because we need this like the self is the healing agent yes and i
0: love that you just clarified then talia that your inner child is actually separate from who you are now it's Mm -hmm. not necessarily about being like oh i am that inner child in this moment it's recognizing the separateness recognizing the voice and what what your inner child needs mm-hmm. separate from who you are now I um, I mean, it's a little bit abstract, but I recently went to a talk with Clementine Ford. I'm not sure if you'd be familiar with her. She's quite big in Australia, feminist mm-hmm. author. And my partner and I went along to one of her love sermons and it was brilliant. And during her love sermon, she was talking about how she looks back at all of the past versions of herself, almost mm-hmm. like a relay team. And they're, you know, ready to hand the baton on. And it's like, what is the thing that they're actually handing on? So actually going, there are all these separate versions of myself that, Mm. yes, exist within me, but they Mm. are separate because I'm always changing. The more I learn, the more I evolve, the Mm. more I understand my belief system, the more intentional, the more willing I am to look at parts of myself. And I think that activity that you've just shared with us, the parts map, that solar system, Mm-hmm. Is going to be so uh, transformative for so mm-hmm. many of our listeners.
1: I hope so. Because, yeah, and it does, it relates to this idea of the team, right? The relay team. It's like you've got all these resources and, and talent and gifts and wisdom and experiences and lessons. and And why not make the best use of everyone and work together on the same team in harmony in a way that? propels everybody forward and leaves nobody behind. And and I think that's what, you know, when we neglect to do the inner child work, to some extent, we we are leaving those parts of us behind that really, really, really need us in some way to just say, no, come with me. You You belong with us. Come with me, you know? Yeah. You're welcome here. Right. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When
0: someone is doing their inner child work and engaging in practices, as you mentioned, like literally writing and talking and responding and feeling and understanding what's going on.
1: Mm -hmm. Can you
0: paint a picture for our listeners what life is like when you're on the other side of that, when you're doing that work?
1: Mm, When you're on the other side of having healed a part of your inner child? Yeah. Or even just
0: having the awareness and working on it.
1: Yeah. Oh, I love this question so much. Um, I'll speak, I'll speak from personal experience and then I'll share a little bit more from the client side. For me, what life looks like and the difference is in the way I regard, it's like the way I talk, the way I talk to myself, but what I mean by that is the way I talk to those voices when they do show up. And, you know, I think a lot of times when we do the healing work, we expect ourselves to just be happy all the time. It's like, oh, I've reached this state of eternal peace and happiness and I've healed and I'm done and I'll never have a negative thought or a negative feeling ever again. That's just not how it works. Like, that's just not human, right? Um, so for me, what looks differently is when those, when those hard days come, when those negative thoughts come in, when those difficult feelings, negative, and I use negative, you know, kind of like with air quotes, but when those things come up, I don't resist them. I let them be there. I I speak to them with so much love. And I used to, just to paint the contrast, the the before used to be frustration and anger and like, why is this why am I still feeling this way and I shouldn't be feeling this way? And so much shame and so much blame and so much just resistance and like this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. Why am I feeling this way? Now it's just, yeah, I get it. I get that you're feeling this way. You yes. can keep feeling this way. Like it's it's all just, there's room for all of it. And I welcome every emotion and every part of me. And there is a just like a knowing that I'm going to continue opening the door every morning and seeing who's there. One day it's anger. One day it's sadness. One day it's grief. One day it's joy. One day it's peace. And it's just... It's all a part of it all. If that makes you it know, makes,
0: it makes total yeah. sense. And I think you know, the opening the door and going, "Oh, it's anger, it's peace, it's whatever it is," but then going, you know, "I welcome you, and you can come in." Mm-hmm. And I think, I mean, I'll speak for me. For me, understanding that and doing that for myself has meant that I have less uh, destructive, self-sabotagey type behavior because Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to suppress or suffocate or avoid or validate Mm -hmm. uh, from a place of that and doesn't mean at all that I'm perfect by any stretch of the (laughs) imagination far from it but what I have discovered with understanding my inner child and my inner wounds is like it gives me compassion for the way that I have behaved in the past and it gives me like insight into what's happening in the moment so if conflict comes up I'm like oh I understand why I'm feeling activated or triggered or whatever it is and rather than running (sighs) away with that it's like oh I get it that makes sense to me it's crystal clear I don't need to actually you know for me my um my form of self-sabotaging, particularly in my early 20s, was through eating disorders, mm-hmm. you know. And so that was my escapism. That was my way of suppressing. That was my way of mm-hmm. avoiding things that were coming up. So I think for me, understanding, oh, I do have an inner child and I can talk to her needs and hold her in regard has been so powerful in allowing me to actually just get on with living a life that's aligned with my values as a 35-year-old woman. Totally.
1: Totally. Yeah. Beautifully said. And something that I just want to point out from what you just shared there is when you can understand, when you have that insight into what activated you or what triggered you or why you did the thing you did, there's less attachment to other people understanding. Like I think so much, so much of life we spend wanting and wishing and like just attaching ourselves to like, if only other people knew, or if only they understood, or if only it made sense to them, or if only they knew, when you have that insight and you understand, not to say it doesn't matter how much understanding you receive from other people, but it, it, it carries less weight in a way.
0: Yes. Well, you're, you're not running around trying to scream at other people to fix you. Right. You know, that's kind of the visual I get. I know when I was trying to suppress and trying to meet certain needs that were coming from a really wounded place, mm-hmm. I was like, someone love me, like love me, fix me, tell me I'm okay type of thing mm-hmm. versus actually a few years, a lot of years into therapy of going like, oh, no, I see why you feel like that craziness. I see why that's coming up. Like that's
1: that's okay that's- and it's going to be all right.
0: Yeah. And that back to the start of our conversation, almost parenting myself through it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's so powerful. It's so powerful because I mean, you can see how that would just change the way. Once you change the way you show up for those parts of you and your inner child and whoever else in that moment, of course, you're going to start showing up differently in your relationships outside of yourself, right? You're showing up more in your power. You're showing up with more insight about yourself. You're showing up with more of an ability to articulate, hey, here's what's going on with me. Here's how you can support me. Here's what I need. It just it it has such a like positive ripple effect into every and all other parts of life
0: massively even in parenting I've got uh, nine-year-old twin boys and just in understanding when I can see like even their their own little mini inner child being activated and you know with my partner and I can see things that go on for him actually just knowing myself allows me to kind of have more empathy for other people as well and to detach from other people's stuff because I'm like hang on that, that's that's not a me problem that's a you and your inner child problem type of thing.
1: Totally, totally. yeah another way that you know, life, what, what does life look like on the other side? There's also so much more compassion for other people when they're in their, when they're in their mess, you know? And it's like, mm-hmm. I see A, that this doesn't have anything to do with me. And B, if I could see that behind your behaviors or actions or words, that there's actually a very scared child, beh- you know, behind that. It'll change the way you engage with that person. It'll change the way you see that person. It'll change how much you identify that person with that behavior. Is that who they are? Or is that just a part of them that's kind of like taking over for a little bit of time right now?
0: You know, it makes so much sense. And I know there are so many things we can discuss on this topic Yeah, this could be the never ending conversation focused on inner inner child stuff. But I know that you do have a five day inner child challenge, which I'm sure so many of our listeners will want to jump on. So whilst we're just chatting about that, I wanted to really highlight this offering that you do have for our listeners. A five day inner child challenge. Mm -hmm. What's involved? Where can they get it?
1: Yeah, so it's it's so near and dear to my heart. I have to just say too, my my most proud thing about this challenge in the email. So you once you sign up, and I'll share more details about it. You get an email every day for five days, and every email has a picture of me when I'm a little kiddo with like either my mom or my sister, and it's like it's very intimate and very personal. And I share a lot of stuff about my inner child and insights and answers to questions as examples for for those who go through it, but. The intention behind the five day challenge is for you to just start the exploration, for you to connect to your inner child, understand what their needs might be that went unmet and start to identify patterns and themes. Um, but again, really, it's, it's establishing connection with with your inner child through there's some letter writing, there are some prompts, there are some other exercises that kind of help to bring their voice Front and center, so that you can start engaging in more meaningful dialogue and relating to this part of you in a way that maybe you haven't related before. Um, it's meant to be kind of an introduction to inner child work, and not super scary and not over. You know, it's 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 baby steps into it. It's a good uh, inroad. It's a good yes. It's a it's a good inroad and a good way to just start. Cultivating some curiosity, if nothing else, um, and remove some of the, you know, what otherwise might be judgment or just self-criticism or self-blame that might be a little bit louder day to day. It's it, it gives you a chance to be a little bit more open to, I don't know, just understanding why you are the way you are and Which is it, it. right?
0: It's curiosity. Be curious. Yeah. Yeah. Life's short. Be curious. See what you can learn out about learn about yourself and see what value it brings, not just to yourself, but to your whole life. Because as as you said, Talia, it will improve every area of your life, your relationships, your work everything so i'll make sure we have a link in our show notes for our listeners so that they can just jump straight over make sure they sign up for that five-day challenge and see some photos of you as a cute little one i'm sure hey guys it's me kylie just sliding in to say i really hope that you enjoyed this episode with the incredible talia Delju. i so enjoyed my time speaking with her I felt like I could have just kept chatting and chatting and chatting, and in fact, we did chat a little bit longer. We created a bonus episode for our Venti members only, where Talia and I get into what it means to find your passion, to live your purpose, and to really understand what brings you fulfillment on a personal level. So if you want to hear more from Talia, that bonus episode will go live on our Venti members only. Only area. And if you're not sure what the Venti membership is, details are in the show notes. But just quickly, it is an extra podcast episode every single week in your ears. You also have monthly journaling prompts and you have every single free podcast episode completely ad and sponsorship free. So this is our way of creating the option for our listeners to choose to skip ads and to support our female-led female, everything really, podcast team. Uh, So if you do feel good about that, if you feel good about becoming a Venti membership, it is a monthly subscription, same price as a cup of coffee, hence the name Venti. And you also get access to our close friends, those journaling prompts and the bonus episodes. But I think the best thing is as someone who loves podcasts and often skips ads, guilty. I think the best thing is knowing that you get the whole back catalogue of episodes completely ad-free, and every single Wednesday, you get your bonus episode. Details are in the show notes, but jump on over because there are so many great episodes there, and you can listen to all of the previous ones. We've got episodes on relationships, personal Q&A, personal reflections, and shares, we have some really cool themes coming up as well but anyway all of those details are in the show notes i really appreciate you listening to the podcast and i look forward to speaking with you soon this is what i want this is what i need if you don't have to go i can set you free are oh, you going